You're listening to the Branches HB Podcast. Morning, Branches Church. How are we doing? Awesome. My name is Austin. I serve with the youth and with the young adults here at Branches, and I'm stoked to be with you this morning. Let's open in prayer. Spirit of the living God, we welcome you in this place. We recognize you're in this place, and we ask that by your word, you will be speaking to us. You will help us understand the implications of this text. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the good shepherd in whom there is no lack, and that we get to find rest finally in you. Amen. So I was 24 years old when I first got hired here at Branches as the youth pastor. I am now 27, and at the time, I was going to Vanguard University, which was awesome, biblical studies, shout out to Bill Dogtrum, the best classes. I was also working at True Food Kitchen, uh, four to five days a week, a bougie health food restaurant. You guys might have heard of it before, by the way, how I mention it every single time I preach because I was there for five and a half years. That's where my content comes from. I was dating my future wife, Kara Grace, my joy. She is amazing. I was walking a dog named Brownie around the Pacific City apartments five days a week. I was trying to breathe. I was going seven days a week, five hours of sleep, four to five cups of coffee a day, all to say, It was not well with my soul. And me saying all these things, it might be like, oh, wow, Austin's trying to sound impressive. No, I was on the verge of burnout. It was not healthy. I was about to have like a quarter-life crisis. And when I say it wasn't well with my soul, I don't just mean like the spiritual side of me. I mean myself in my entirety, like everything that makes up who I am. C.S. Lewis once said, we don't have a soul, we are a soul. We happen to have a body. So my soul, my entirety, was affected by my lack of rest and my consistent state of hurry. All the while, I was beyond stoked on Jesus. So, so in love with Jesus. I just got hired here, branches. I'm like amped on the Lord practicing most of the spiritual disciplines, but I was not resting. I was caught up rather in the restless rhythms of Orange County, which is go, 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 do more, be more, have more, or get out. My soul was not okay. I needed rest. I needed to chill on some things. I needed a day off, but not just a day off. I needed a Sabbath, a day to Shabbat, which is Hebrew for the word stop. Shabbat actually being where we get the English word Sabbath from. Just stop, Shabbat, and enjoy the Lord. The Lord says this in Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So the Lord's commanding us to take a day off? Doesn't it seem kind of funny, like in the mix, like all these things, like, yeah, that makes sense. This makes sense to become a decent human being, but what do you mean take a day off? 
Observe the Sabbath. Isn't it just like human nature to want a day off where we just kind of chill? Here's why. Exodus 20, verse 2. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So you see, God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. Now he's trying to bring the restlessness of Egypt out of the people of Israel. You see, the Lord freed them from their chains, but they continue to pick them up like they're still in style. They're not. Those chains don't fit them anymore. They do not fit. Not in the Lord's house. They are freed people. Those chains are out of style. And you see, when they were slaves in Egypt, there were no days off. There was no rest. It was just restless work and work and work. And the temptation for the Israelites after having been freed from Egypt, as well as for us today, is to keep the tempo of Egypt. Keep the restless rhythm going. But that's where the Sabbath comes in. The Sabbath being a new rhythm that you build into your life. And I put emphasis on the word build because it's something we have to intentionally do. We don't just fall into the Sabbath. We have to make space for the Sabbath. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann wrote a book called Sabbath as Resistance that I read the other week. And that's exactly what it is. It is resistance against the pace of culture, this pace that is killing souls by the masses. Brueggemann says this, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. So you see, Sabbath, it sets the tone for the rest of the week. It is a full stop. It is a full rest, giving you the capacity to be fully human for the next six days. But many will say, Austin, Austin, Austin. The grind don't stop, though. You work hard, you play hard. Don't you know? Except you don't actually get any time to play. Or you get some time, but you don't feel rested. You don't feel rejuvenated afterwards, right? You see, people who read John Mark Comer books, they love that he puts all the statistics in them. He makes us feel so smart after the fact. Thank you for all your research. Here's some things that he adds in his book called Ruthless. Studies have shown that if you work up to a certain amount of hours in a week, your productivity plummets, big time. That amount of hours, 50 hours, which is about a six-day work week. Funny. That gives you just the amount of days left to take a Sabbath. One. Second, another study found that there is zero difference in productivity between workers who log in 70 hours and 55 so the author asks the question, could God be speaking to us even through our bodies? Now, I intro today's conversation with all this because, number one, we need a Sabbath. And we being all of us, as well as my students over on the island on the warehouse, we're, we have a youth group and we're like on a warehouse, like on the other side of the library, kind of disconnected. We miss you guys. That's why I like preaching here because I get to see you guys. But we're over there across the way. Even high schoolers need a Sabbath because they are busy. They are busy. And even those who are retired, they need to make room for the Sabbath, a day where they can fully be immersed in the goodness of the Lord. We need that Sabbath rest. And number two, I believe that at least the majority of us still have the busyness of Egypt in our hearts that the Lord wants to take out of us. And he will. 
as Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And let me tell you, friends, the Sabbath is good. Let's go to God's word about this. This is out of Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 to 14. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. The usher will bring it to you. If not, the words will be up on the screen. Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 to 14. And this is the word of the Lord. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. So we stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So what gives? Like, what's going on with these religious rulers? Why can't the disciples have a snack on the Sabbath day? Shouldn't the Sabbath be full of eating good food? And why can't Jesus heal a person on the Sabbath? Should there really be a day that that's off the table? Well, you see, church, originally the law consists of Not originally and now, still. The law consists of 613 commands. These are the commands that were given to the people of Israel. And the Pharisees, they believed that if every Jew upheld every one of these commands, then the Messiah would come. And so they created this thing called the Mishnah. Say that word with me. Mishnah. The Mishnah, which was an additional 1,500 laws added. This is not including the 613. These are the added laws. These were essentially fences around fences around laws to ensure that the laws would not be broken, which sounds a little extra. But truly, the Mishnah was made with a pure intent. However, it ended up losing the intent of God's Heart. The do's and don'ts were practices for reverence, but while doing them, the Pharisees would miss out on how God calls us to be reverent with our love for one another. That being the most important thing. It was all show and no go. So Jesus, he came to flip the script, not just to be punk rock, which he kind of appears to be like so, but to show the true, genuine heart of the Father in matters of Sabbath. 
And as always, with his healings and his teachings, Jesus further emphasizes his points on a subject, eating on the Sabbath, healing on the Sabbath. These analogies are put before Jesus on a silver plate so that he might say, let me tell you what the kingdom of God is all about. Beginning with the first rebuke on Jesus. Jesus, look, look at your disciples. They are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. What does this rabbi have to say? You see, the disciples, they were hungry. They were in a grain field, so they had snack time, which was permitted by the law of Israel. People could glean a small meal from a field, as is stated in Deuteronomy. However, according to the Mishnah, there was a novel of laws against doing so. Check this out. So, according to the Mishnah, on the Sabbath, you cannot carry something with your left or your right hand across your chest or on your shoulders or back. However, do not lose hope. You can carry something with the back of your hand, behind your ear, in your hair, on your elbow, or on top of your foot. So, we're good. We still got some room to do things, which sounds... Kind of crazy, but remember, this is the Mishnah, not the law. Breaking the Mishnah and breaking the law is not the same thing. I don't want you to fall under the impression that the Sabbath is all legalistic or even exhausting, because if you're exhausted after the Sabbath, it might not be a Sabbath rest. The Sabbath is good. Eating snacks on the Sabbath is good. I had my Sabbath the other day, so many Trader Joe's snacks. Can we praise God for that? For, pray, for Trader Joe's snacks? Come on, Jesus. And Jesus in this story, he's well aware of what day it is. He's God, yes, but he's also a rabbi. Rabbis are well aware of their days. And Jesus was also aware the Pharisees were watching him from a distance, standing out in their exotic robes amongst the grain fields, rubbing their hands together like we got them this time. Kind of looking like that meme that was circulating social media last year. You guys put that meme up for me? Oh, yeah. We got Jesus this time. You're done for, Jesus of Nazareth. You guys can put that down. How does Jesus respond to this? Essentially, he kind of lightly roasts them. He asks, experts of the Bible, haven't you read the Bible? Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? They entered the house of God. They ate the bread that was reserved for the priests. They were starving. David was on the run from Saul, who was trying to kill him. He was trying not to die from hunger, so they ate the bread. Or what about the priests that are on Sabbath duty? They're not doing all the things with their elbows or the top of their foot. They need to use their hands to perform all that is necessary for the Sabbath to take place. Don't these Pharisees know? And after Jesus says these things, and I'm going to assume that the Pharisees did not have a response because Matthew does not record their response. Jesus says, if you had known what these words mean, and mind you, Jesus says it like this because he knows they have heard these words. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. Because, Brandon's Church, the heart of God is mercy. This God that was merciful beyond any measurement the people of Israel deserved, he desires mercy, not sacrifice, reminding them that it's about inner spiritual vitality, not mere external formality. 
He's saying, do not lose the heart of God with keeping the Sabbath, because legalism loses the intent of Sabbath rest. It's to honor God and to rest. And then Jesus lets him have it. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. What? What is this rabbi saying? Greater than the temple? What? Now he's had it. What do you mean? Himself. The temple, where people went to meet with God, Jesus came as God in the flesh. Something even greater than the temple is here, and it is Jesus himself. Now, who does this Jesus proclaim himself to be? Verse 8, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Son of Man being the favorite title of Jesus to call himself in reference to Daniel chapter 7. Jesus is Lord over the Sabbath. He is master over it, and it is a part of his kingdom mission to bring his people rest. For this is what the Sabbath is supposed to be like. While the Pharisees were flustered over them picking grains in the field and people breaking the Mishnah, the Sabbath is to be a day when you get to eat good food. You get to enjoy yourself on this day. It's a day of fulfillment, doing what you love. Truly, it's a day that you get to taste and see that the Lord is good. So this is the first thing we learn about the Sabbath in today's text. It is a day for fulfillment and enjoyment. Now, Jesus was not done with ministry on the Sabbath day. He stirs the pot a little bit more. For he had another lesson that he wanted to teach his disciples. Not only is the Sabbath a day for fulfillment and enjoyment, it's also a day for healing and restoration. Jesus walks into the, into the synagogue with the Pharisees front and center where they usually are in their robes, in their esteemed high place. And then there's a man with a shriveled hand out in the back corner. I want you to consider, where does the heart of Jesus gravitate toward? Is it to the religious rulers that if he were to associate himself with them, he might build up in status, he might get more credibility as a rabbi, or does he gravitate toward the one neglected standing in the back? Let me ask the question, who does Jesus deem to be blessed in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This man, who was viewed as unclean because of his deformity, this man who was perhaps unable to work or find a job because there were no tech jobs in this day. It was manual labor. He was probably beyond any ounce of hope that he would be healed. He was poor in spirit. But Jesus, he considers him blessed. He was used as a prop by the Pharisees. He was used as a prop. Let's see if Jesus will heal this man. But that's not how Jesus saw him. While culture may have seen him as a reject from God's favor, Jesus saw him as beloved. And not only that, Jesus saw him right where he's at for who he is. He's God's beloved. Verse 10, looking for a reason to bring charges to Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? In classic Jesus, he answers a question with a question. For it'd be one thing for him to tell them the answer, it's another for them to discover it on their own. Verse 11, 
If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Or Orange County translation, if any of you has a pet with a human name that you give clothing to, and it falls into a hole at the park, would you not help that animal out? Obviously, you love your dog named Chris. Chris, oh no, let me get you, you got your sweater all dirty, Chris, let me help you out. Jokes aside, Jesus addresses an issue of value. Sheep in that culture are equivalent to money. They were a valuable resource. It would be a big loss to lose a sheep. So the Pharisees are like, yeah, yeah, I guess. I can see that. And then Jesus, he sees the gears and their minds are turning. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Jesus turns to the man, stretch out your hand. And I'm sure the man hesitated. He's in the back and everyone looks at him. Assuming he's been in this position for quite some time, he's probably red in the face. Stretch out your hand. And the man stretches it out and it is completely restored. Now, I want you to imagine this scene. The man's jaw drops. His eyes well up with tears. He probably starts laughing and dancing and jumping and praising God. And I imagine Jesus watches him, and he has this look on his face where he's like, this is what the Sabbath is all about. It's a day for restoration. It's a day for rejuvenation, to become whole, to become human again. And I love how these stories follow the text that ended last week, Jesus' call on his disciples to to find rest in him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean that when we start following Jesus, everything's going to be easy? Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Big no. Here's what John Ortberg, theologian, has to say on this teaching by Jesus. Easy is a soul word, not a circumstance word, not an assignment word. Aim at having easy circumstances, and life will be hard all around. Aim at having an easy soul, and your capacity for tackling hard assignments will actually grow. The soul was not made for an easy life. The soul was made for an easy yoke. And this is what we find, Sabbath rest. Our souls become at ease. We take upon the way of Jesus. We take upon the yoke of Jesus rather than the restless rhythms of culture. It's where those who are weary and burdened can finally find rest from Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, Even with all that I've said in this conversation, many will still fight the idea of Sabbath. Maybe some of you are even thinking in your head, you're like kind of attacking me right now, which I want to say, we're family here. You don't need to attack me. I'm your friend, Austin. But people will be like, Austin, you just don't get it. You don't have kids. 
You're not running your own business. You don't fill in the blank, which I want to say, again, take it easy. We're friends. But it's God's word, not Austin's word I'm preaching from. But good news. God is ready to meet you right where you're at. For that's where he always meets you. God has yet to meet you anywhere other than where you are currently at. But I get the resistance. I resisted it for a long time as well. I didn't want it. I like the fast pace of OC culture. I'm a planner. I like to fill up my schedule and do all the things. I have that tasks app, Google Tasks. I love like the little thing it does when I do a little check mark. You know, it feels fulfilling. I'm like, oh, I'm worth something. And that's when I forget where my worth is from. It's in the Father. But I get it. Like me, you might have some hesitancy about it. You might think, well, Austin, I hear you. I'll try it when my life slows down. But what if your life never slows down? Let me paint the picture a little more clearly. Living in Orange County, where there is so much good coffee, thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord, that there's so much good coffee in Orange County. Worthy is the lamb. Has led me to become a regular at a handful of coffee shops. And driving an old car that has so many issues has led me to become a regular at my local mechanic, Trinity European. They're awesome. I see them so often. So often that I literally just give them my key, don't sign any paperwork, and say, hey, good to see you, Austin. Hey, it's been a month. I haven't seen you in a month. Uh, and this happened last week. I was home from youth service, and I can't even really say I was on my way home because I, like, started my car, and it happened immediately. And my power steering just died on me. It was an incredible workout. It was so hard. My back was like fried immediately. I was like, man, this is a great workout. I could cancel my gym membership because of this. Not that I go, but if I did, I could cancel it and this could substitute if I worked out at the gym. And so I was driving home. I arrive on the street where my wife, Karen, and I live, and it's time to parallel park. <sighs> Lord have mercy. It was horrendous. It was so bad. It took me four tries, and the final result was bad. <laughs> After like the second or third try, I was like, oh, I'm just going like, to find another parking spot. I'm just try to find like, an easy one I can just pull into, but I fought the laziness. Fourth try, I parked awfully. And then the next day, I brought my car to the mechanic and got it fixed, put new bushings in, bringing my car to its proper form or as proper as a 1986 Volvo can be. And in the same way, we might think that with our busy schedules, as we're going a million miles per hour, that'll just be too hard to stop. Maybe I will just wait for an easy opportunity when life slows down, when I don't have to parallel my life's car, parallel park my life's car that doesn't have power steering. But the reality is, church, life might not slow down. Hurry is in the camp of the enemy. And it's been said that if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. He'll do everything in his power to busy up your schedule. Now, I must clarify, I'm not necessarily saying that being busy is a bad thing, but when you are busy, it is so easy to lose sight of the good shepherd when we're given no time to think. 
Like, I get it. We get busy. But it's really easy when we are to lose sight of the good shepherd when we cannot think. It's really easy to miss out on Jesus' invitation of rest and in that, leading our souls to decay. And so, we must use the Sabbath as resistance against the strong current of hurry in our culture, even if it seems awkward and difficult, like how it was parking my car on Sunday night. It is so worth it. It is so life-giving. As we go to Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, the mechanic of our souls, we'll be all the more equipped to practice the Sabbath more frequently as all is done by the grace of God and healthy habits in him. So I want to encourage you all, take the Sabbath. We live in a culture that is tired. Burnout is the norm, and it is bound to happen at the pace we run. So let's be countercultural, church. That's what we're supposed to be anyway. Like the quote I said at the beginning, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. For you see, taking the Sabbath takes, sets the tone for the rest of the week. It is a full stop. It is a full rest, giving us the capacity to be fully human for the next six days. And from the stories that we see with Jesus in today's text, with the Sabbath comes fulfillment and joy. With the Sabbath comes healing and restoration. Was grace. So let's find it in him. So set aside a day. Mine's Fridays. Yours can be Saturdays. Yours can be Sundays. This could be your Sabbath right now. Some of you, it probably is. Take a full day. Turn off social media. We all need that. We all need that. Turn off social media. You don't need to compare yourself to anyone on this day. Don't check your email. You're not working, and you don't need to see any ads. You don't need anything because you already have all that you need in the Father. And spend time in God's word. Spend time soaking in the goodness of the Lord contemplating your identity in him. You are a son. You are a daughter of the most high God. Eat good food. Eat ramen. Praise God. It's like the best Sabbath meal. You don't want to do like anything after. Sets yourself up. Praise God. Sleep in. I love to wake up early. That's kind of like how I do my daily life, but I try to fight that and sleep in. Spend time with your friends and family and enjoy. And you might think, well, where do I even begin? Like, it just seems so weird. Like, after all these years of hurry and busyness, here's how the author of Hebrews puts it. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Make every effort to enter that rest, or otherwise translated in the ESV, strive to enter that rest. Now, I know that might be a trigger word for some people, striving, those who have come from backgrounds that have said you have to earn God's love. That could not be further from the truth. They, whoever say that, are so sadly mistaken of how they themselves think they are saved. We do not strive to earn God's love. He just loves us. He loves us because he loves us. We freely receive his grace, and then we walk that out. However... We do need to strive to enter that rest. We essentially need to work 
toward not working. We need to work toward building that day in your week where you do not work, especially for those of us who live in Orange County where work is at our fingertips. On the seventh day, God rested, and we get to as well. Praise be to Jesus that he is the Lord of the Sabbath and that in him we get to find rest for our souls. Will you guys stand with me as we pray and as we go into this time of response? Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd in whom there is no lack. And we thank you, Jesus, that you give us the invitation to find rest for our souls in the midst of the busy, in the midst of the hurriedness and the restless rhythms of our culture, you give us this invitation. Your arms are open wide saying, come to me, all who are burdened, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We thank you, Jesus, that this is what we get to walk in. And Jesus, I pray that in this time of response, as we are responding to your word, as we're responding to the grace we have received in you, God, we could be pouring out our praise and adoration before you in worship. Lord, posturing our hearts, posturing our bodies to give you the praise that you so rightly deserve. Because you are good. You are good, Jesus. And you care for us so much. So may we respond to your message of rest, of resting in your presence through worship, through song. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Branches HB podcast. For more information on Branches, you can visit our website at brancheshb.com or stay up to date with us on Instagram at brancheshb. As always, we'd love to have you at one of our Sunday gatherings. So come visit us at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. Locations are available on our website. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.